another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And we are covering a patron request. We're going to be looking at the secret of Monkey Island. We're talking about the Sega CD version, although truthfully any version is exactly the same. But before we jump into that request, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Oh boy, I finished up that dredge, as in I, I went back in and... If it was in my side quest, I finished it. I don't know if I got them all. There may be something else lurking out there. Uh, but I, I pretty thoroughly played through that game. Uh, I'm kind of in that waiting phase. I, and like we talked about, I don't think it's one I'm going to go through and play through again. Um, I, but it's I, I'm kind of in the waiting phase to see what kind of uh, what kind of DLC we get. There is apparently something coming on down the line so i'm going to try it out again then um that one person that wrote in is going to be absolutely uh, thrilled with this but you know still going hard on stardew valley uh, we're running a little co-op farm here at the house uh it's, it's nice to drag someone down into those depths with me and i don't mean the depths of the mine i mean the depths of missing sleep uh you know spending all day just kind of in, in your head figuring out the the best layout for your farm things like that it, it's not it's nice to have somebody along for that um so yeah that is that is kind of hot and heavy again i'm also in that phase where i'm just like randomly playing games a few minutes at a time i did pick up because it was super cheap and i've looked at it for a minute uh, infliction which is um, i'll describe it and it'll sound like it'll sound very uninspired um but you are a guy in a house and Things are weird. Things are going on and there are ghosts and whatnot. And you are trying to escape. Uh, but it, it, it's very kind of PT-esque, uh, the way it's presented, kind of like Layers of Fear or something like that. It was a pretty brief playthrough, but it, it has like a, a different twist to it. I can't speak to the story you know, beyond what I what I just said, because it, it has pretty unique twists, and I I really enjoyed the uh, kind of the the way it went about telling things and what you you know the more you find out about your character and your setting and things like that. I thought it was actually pretty refreshing. So if that's still cheap, uh, you're not even cheap regular price. Uh, it's I, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I'm. Trying to, I have not played Zelda yet. I don't know how I haven't. Um, I just really know that I need to clear some games out. And I got a week off from work coming up. So I, I'm buying it like the, that first day. And I'm going to put time in then. But till then, I'm trying my best to finish shit this year. But it's just not happening. Well, you did finish Dredge. And I did as well. No, I, I did I, finish I did, Dredge. I, did. um, I didn't get all the side quests done because... As I kind of alluded to in our last episode, I definitely got to a quest where I did not finish it in time, and the quest giver perished, and I couldn't turn it in. Oh, no. I, 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 that happens. I have two of those. I fucked those up. I'm, I'm still counting them. They're concluded. Well, yeah. It, it does cross it off in your quest list, but therefore, once I, that happened and they announced the DLC, I knew I was going to play this again at some point, so I thought, screw mm -hmm. it. Let's just get to the end. So I didn't you know, complete my fishing book and everything else. But I did see the ending of the game and, and I, I enjoyed the ride. I'm definitely going to play it again now when the DLC comes out. So I guess that's a positive. Um, I've also been playing Jedi Survivor still. Uh, I'm taking my time on that because I think it's really better than the first game so far. I mean, yes, it, you 
if you didn't play the first game, it does kind of throw you into to things, I, I think, a little fast. But I don't, I don't know how many people that's the actual situation for, that they wouldn't have played Fallen Order and they rushed out to pick up Survivor. Um, but it, it's, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. The, there's a lot of extra side quests and stuff you can find if you just explore through the, the main areas. And it's not just like, oh, I, I stumbled upon this. Like, you'll find quest givers who give you things to do and then it marks on the map where the rumored quest might be and you can go explore. Mm-hmm. And, and none of those things are required just to move the story forward. They're just all these little side quests and they're all a lot of fun, very short little excursions. But still, if I spend half an hour of time doing that, I feel pretty good. So I'm, I'm now on the second planet. I have slowly moved forward with it. Um, I like that the second planet you visit uh, is is the planet of Jeddah. It's J E D H A. If you are into the, uh, the the new High Republic Star Wars stuff, that's a, kind of a, a planet they've talked about several times there. So it's neat to see all the different pieces mm. of the Star Wars universe kind of coming together again. I know that's what happens mm-hmm. anyway, but I don't know. It's it, it's kind of neat to see the High Republic stuff show up because no one. Uh, I don't know, unless you read books or comics, you're really not paying attention to the High Republic. So it's neat to see that stuff come in on, on a video game that's talking about, you know, more prime Star Wars time. Uh, but the other thing I've been playing is with some of the folks on our Discord, uh, we've been playing Castle Crashers. It's a game I bought years ago for the Xbox yes. and played about three minutes and was like, this would be a lot of fun with other people, and therefore I never played it. And um, mm-hmm. one of one of our patrons was like, I really want to play this game. And so four of us are now playing through it very slowly, like one night a week to play for an hour. It's not a long game. Um, but it's but it's been fun, and I think that's probably a bonus episode I may have uh, coming at some point where the four of us that are playing it will talk about it real quick uh, and our experience playing it, because all of us except for one person playing it had never really played it before. So it'll be kind of neat to see everyone's thoughts uh, on how that is, because it's also a lot older than you think it is. So it still counts as a retro game, uh, but definitely mm-hmm. bonus game material. But Jeremy, what have you been playing? Hopefully I don't get canceled for this, but I've been playing, I've just never mentioned this, but I play, I've been playing Hogwarts. Um, that the the Harry Potter game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just gonna say this right now. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. Uh, actually, my biggest complaint about this game is that it's Harry Potter, and I just you know I, I never watched the movies. It's never anything that I really got into. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not not my mm-hmm. thing. And uh, for I, I picked up the game because I I just wanted to try it out it, you know open world games are kind of my thing and it looked interesting a lot mm-hmm. of people were saying you know that it was fairly similar to something like fable and oh. that got my attention because it's been a damn long time since i got to play a fable game and i'd been wanting to to see what microsoft does with fable but apparently we're never going to get there <laughs> maybe someday we'll get that new fable game but as of right now, this Hogwarts game is is probably the closest you're going to get to it. It's it's actually really well done, and it's it's fun to go through. I'll say, well, maybe about mm. halfway through it because you can tell once you get to the halfway point and after, they kind of ran out of time. <laughs> Up till that point, though, it's just like, man, you guys really paid a lot of attention to this. The world is really well made. The castles neat, like all the towns and stuff. It's up there not it's not approaching red dead 2 as far as like the most you know engrossing open world that you can find but it's Mm. it's there it it feels like it's you know an actual world that that people live in you know it it doesn't feel just something like far cry or whatever where it's just a bunch of npcs thrown around a, a very pretty map but this actually feels like it's it's been well designed and and has a purpose anyway but yeah, I've I, I've I think I'm pretty close to the end. I, I think I've just got a few more main quests to, to beat the game. But it's 
it's cool little game. <laughs> I know I don't even know like the the controversy and stuff behind it. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like one of that meme where it's just like I don't know what's going on, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. But uh, the game itself is is pretty dang cool. So um, if if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I, I think you'd probably love it. But if you're like me and you've never played Harry Potter before or even seen the movies or anything like that, then this is a, a, a pretty nice substitute for a new Fable game. But yeah, that's all I've really been playing. I, I saw somebody playing that. I was watching somebody play it on Twitch, and it did look like it was pretty good. I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. Not that I dislike it. I just, I'm not a fan. I don't know. It's fine. It's mine. You know, I saw some of the movies. I read one of the books, and it, it's fine. But I, I didn't need to play it. But then watching him play it, I was like, you know, I'd, I'd give this a shot someday. I am surprised that none of us are playing the new Zelda. And I'm sure that will probably be rectified by the time we record another episode. But for now, we can talk about the game we're supposed to cover. A patron request, Secret of Monkey Island for the Sega CD. So as we mentioned at the start of the show, this is a patron-requested episode, and I have Blue Yoshi, who's requested this game with me now, so welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm very excited. This is a game I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of. I had it when it was brand new. I'm assuming that you didn't have this on the Sega CD, but maybe you did. That's the version we're talking about, so that it's a console, but what version of this game did you play originally? I had it on the MS-DOS. Um, like, uh, back in the day, like, I didn't have any uh, PCs for the longest time, not until I probably, like, and I, I got a really old computer when I first got it. Again, this was a DOS computer in, like, probably 99 or 2000 or something like that. <laughs> and so uh, this was, like, one of the very few games that I actually had for it. And so me and my uh, me and my dad and my brother we we would spend hours and hours trying to trying to puzzle our our, our way through it because we didn't even have the internet or anything like that. And I was I was primarily a console gamer when I was a kid. And so this this was really my first uh, this and like I want to say Civilization Two were like the the first real like PC games I ever actually played. Yeah, this was I, I mean I had this on Amiga. Um before I had a, a Nintendo. So this was one of my first, not the first adventure game, but definitely my first LucasArts game. Are, are you a big fan I, of these kind of point-and-click adventures? Um, I, I've, I've played a few of them. This one, it definitely is is my favorite, just because of the comedy, and like obviously there's definitely a nostalgia uh, quotient there, too. Um, but, like, yeah, there, there's something about this one that kind of tickles me more than more than the, the rest of the genre, but at the same time, I, I'm, not, I'm not against that as a genre either. Yeah, this was, I, I love how this game, you know, operates the way you have to point the commands uh, and then point on the screen as opposed to having to free type. I, I was a big fan of the Sierra games like King's Quest and Space Quest. And the early ones of those right. was, you know, they were free type. So a lot of the time you'd know what you wanted to do, but you just couldn't figure out the words that the game wanted you to use. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like that also kind of reminds me of how you had to like open the game on a DOS computer. You're like, oh, it's shit. I, I forgot. I, I forgot the actual command to open the game. And so, like, it, it, it kind of, like, it kind of, like, stems from that, almost, of a, of a mindset, I think. So, did you continue following the Monkey Island series after this game? Uh, yeah, yeah, to a degree. I, I never played any of the other ones as much as I played this one. I've gone to gone back and played this one a few times. But, uh, 
Yeah, like I play this one, you know, at least every once every couple of years. But I've I've played most of the other ones at least most of the way through. Did you try the new one, The Return to Monkey Island? I haven't played that one as much, but I, I have played a little bit. I've played like an hour or two of that one, but uh, I haven't I haven't gone as deep into that one yet because I've I've been so distracted with other games. Oh uh, no, I, I totally get it. But as a fan of this series, I when that came out, I was very excited for it, and I yeah, I, think I talked about I the love show. The, I love the art style specifically. It's a really, really, really charmingly looking game, and it feels really cool to be in that world again. Yeah, it, it does just enough of a, of a deal with callbacks where it's not really doing the same adventure, but if you you know, it, it's a lot of, of nods to the previous games which is nice but uh yeah this game though really kind of perfects this uh that's the scum engine is what the lucas arts um yeah games were I mean, like this and maniac mansion were like the two that really nailed it the best i think and i think right, this right. one uh maniac mansion i liked but there's definitely some rough edges on it where they hadn't quite perfected not having a game kind of get a fail state uh so th- this thankfully doesn't have you know really any place you can get stuck and just be done without other than drowning i think the only thing you do yeah. in this game and, and you have to try real hard uh to, to get that ending but otherwise it, it's it, it's a really good balance of difficult puzzles but also without uh you know getting to the end of the game and realizing you forgot to pick up a piece of paper on the first screen of the game and you can't finish the game so th- i do appreciate right. that yeah there's yeah there's there's no there's no way you can't ever go back and not get what you need and i yeah i do think that's you know that's the only reason i ever made it made made it all the way through when i was a kid like there's no way i would have been able to puzzle my way through this if there was like oh yeah you forgot to pick up something on melee island when you're on monkey island you're just like oh man <laughs> no way would I have been able to figure that out. Yeah, that, that's a mean Infocom trick. Thankfully, uh, LucasArts <laughs> a little nicer than that. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to mention the music cause, from this game because I, I think the music is one of the best soundtracks of any video game that's ever been made. Like, I, I honestly, like, there's, there's, it, it just fits the, 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 uh, the aesthetic of the game so well. Everything, everything feels so genuine to the moment in 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 whatever whatever part of the game you're talking about it just it it flows so well it's so organic yeah the the regular like melee island theme the one you hear the most i guess when you're trying to figure the game out first uh that's a song i will hear forever was there anything else about this game you think is is noteworthy you want to make sure we don't forget about while we're talking about it Oh, just some of the jokes in it like it it, so the the humor in this game is is some of the funniest that I've ever uh, of, of of any game that I've ever played, like the from from the troll on the bridge and like my, when my, when my dad figured that joke out, he was just like, oh my god, because like I was a kid, I didn't get what a red herring was at the time, <laughs> and so he explained it to me. He's like, no, no, no like the, the the oh, it's it's funny, Bryce, because the, a red herring is like a a wild goose chase, and for that the, for that to be the actual way forward is a really funny joke. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's a lot like uh, kids cartoons you know there'll be jokes in there that kids get and there'll be jokes there for adults as well and th- this kind of exactly. has a good mark of that where it's it's got a solid set of like as a kid i thought it was really funny as an adult i still think it's really funny it's not yeah just, it's you know, accessible yeah i think is a really yeah yeah no, i'm i i every every like it's a it's a 10 out of 10 for me like it's it's one of my favorite games of all time yeah it, it's it's one that i played many times i i'm i I don't know if Jeremy and Billy have, so I guess we'll find out what they think, but I'm so happy you suggested uh, this I'm exci- I'm excited to find out, yeah. <laughs> so 
So I had played Monkey Island when it was brand new. I played it on Amiga mm. when it was new. Um, the Sega CD version, which is the one we're going to talk about today, is basically just the same version as the, the PC CD-ROM version that would come out a couple years later. Um, but generally, it's the exact same game. Um, they didn't add anything to the Sega CD version. There's not new cinematics or anything. It's just the same game, just on a, an easier format because the music is very nice, so it could be on CD. So we're everything we're saying is is universal. It doesn't have to be about the Sega CD, but I'm, uh, I'm assuming that... Maybe Jeremy didn't, but Billy may have. Did did you guys play this game previously? I I had I had not um, not played it through. Um, I I from early on notoriously a big fan of games that that ran on the the Scum engine. Um, you know we're we're, we're talking uh, Maniac Mansion, uh, shit, fucking younger fucking Putt Putt. All kinds of things like that ran off the scum engine, and I, I just loved game. I loved games like this, um, just kind of that format. And it is one of those where you have, uh, you know, your your character on the screen. You maneuver them around. You have the commands at the bottom of the screen, whether it's look, use, talk, um, things like that, and you you connect the. Uh, the, the action with the character, the action with the background, the action with the item, and you, you sort of go that way. You, you pick up an inventory as you go. I just, I have loved um, that format. So yeah, this was was one of those that I played a little bit at the time. I, um, I couldn't play it at home, um, but I had uh, a, a friend that, that, you know, had a computer. We, we threw it on there, and I loved just Two of us just bullshit and play through this game, getting stuck as hell in some spots. And I just, my main takeaway was, I think this was one of the first video games I played uh, that actually did, I, I laughed at. Like the the humor was was on point. This is one of the early ones where I was like, oh shit, video games can can be funny, except for like a gag or two. Like genuinely, be pretty damn funny. Um, you know, it's it's one of the precursors to games like, you know, Psychonauts 2, which I thought was damn hilarious. This is probably the original game that I thought um, was hilarious playing through and seeing. Uh, but you know, because I'm a Sega CD man through and through. Uh, so when this made its way to Sega CD, yes, I, I eventually not, you know, immediately when it came out, but a year or two later, uh, picked up a copy, played it. And played it uh, for some reason. Never saw it through to the end, though. And it's not because it was disliked it. It's because you know other game. Why well, I, I, attention span, and it's a little bit slower of a game. Um, there are some load times here and there, and there is some slowdown here and there. Um, there are a lot of things that you know for for kind of being younger, um, kind of take you out of some of the more flashy games. Uh, but no, but it was one of those, there was a real joy and a, a, a big thank you um, for, for our, our patron that, that picked this one out. One, because, you know, you're, you're being merciful on us like so many have not. And, and two, it was, it was just a pure joy to, to sit down with this. One. I, I didn't have a computer back when this came out. And by the time I did stuff like Grim Fandango was oh. out and and that was mm -hmm. really what I was going after at the time but I had I had always heard about it you know I'd seen the box at like Babbage's and things like that and it it looked neat it it was the kind of game that you 
didn't get on a console. You know, it looked like a cartoon on the back of the box, basically. So I, I never got to play it. And the actually, the the first time I ever played it and beat it was the the remake on the Xbox 360. Mm, mm-hmm. So which that, is a, which is a, a great remake. Yeah, that I feel like that was like one of the very first remakes that like was like wow, you know, we mm-hmm. you really put a lot of time into this and and updated it, you know, it and it was was a really cool remake. So yeah, that was the first time I played it and, and played through the entire thing. Well, uh, to, to benefit. I guess the, the one person that has no idea what we're talking about for a, a game like this, <laughs> um, you know, this is a graphic adventure, which is, you know, you, you, it's a point and click, essentially. You move a cursor around the screen, you hit the button, your character will walk to wherever you go. Um, unlike earlier graphic adventure games like the Sierra games, the King's Quest and the Space Quest kind of stuff, in those games you still had a typing console. So you'd walk around the screen with your cursor, but then you would say things like, you know, open door. And you have to type in open the door or use... Um, you know, use can on burrito or whatever the the, the puzzle would be in the game. Um, the, the Scum ed- Engine games like, that Billy had mentioned earlier, this is one of the Scum Engine games, uh, had instead of having to bother typing your commands in, along with po- moving your character on the screen with the cursor, there was a little group of commands at the bottom left of the screen that you would click on. And they were pretty straightforward. It was uh, nine words. Give, open, close, I guess nine commands, mm-hmm. nine words. Give, open, close, pick up, look at, talk to, use, push, and pull. And just using those commands and clicking on the screen, because if you put your cursor over something on the screen that you can interact with, it would show the name of that item at the bottom. So uh, in between the gameplay and your inventory and those action item words, a little sentence would build out. So if you said give, and then you look in your inventory and you find a bucket, and you'd give bucket to, and then you'd find somebody on the screen you want to give the bucket to. If it was something you could do, once you did that, it would say, you know, you walk over and you see your character give the bucket to the clown, or whatever the puzzle would be. Um, and if you can't, it normally would either have some humorous thing it would say, or it would it would at least give you a reason that it doesn't work. It wouldn't just not do anything. Most of the time, if you said give bucket to clown, it would say the clown has no reason to buy that bucket, or whatever the issue, you know, the, the puzzle would be. So I loved these games. I loved all graphic adventure games, even the old text-based Infocom ones like Zork. Um, those were very painfully difficult, but I like the idea of having that, you know, like Billy said, you're walking around a, a world, you're seeing things you can pick up in an inventory that you use to solve puzzles. Uh, there's no real combat in this game, and I'll, I'll define that later, because there's definitely combat in this game, but it's not really combat. It's just using items in certain places and knowing what to say in some cases uh, to move the story forward that that lets you figure it out. It's a giant graphic adventure game. It's not an action mm-hmm. game by any means. Mm-hmm. So, um, Maniac Mansion is the first game that used this scum engine, and I think we, we've talked about doing a Maniac Mansion episode many times, but I've not actually done oh. so. Um, but that that started this scum engine where you have the words at the bottom. Um, after that was Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, which is a very, very difficult graphic adventure game. Uh, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade game, Loom, and then the fifth game with the scum engine was Secret of Monkey Island. Um, as I thought it was funny that you mentioned, uh, Jeremy, that you're like, I, you know, I thought this was really funny. Or, I don't know. Whoever said it, they just reminded him of, uh, Billy said it, uh, of Psychonauts. Well, the yes. designers for this game are three people. Ron Gilbert, who goes on to do a lot of graphic adventure games, including most of the Monkey Island games. Um, Dave Grossman, who would go on to do a bunch of the Telltale stuff, but also more LucasArts games. And third, Tim Schafer, who would go on to be, you know, the, the main... Uh, developer, oh, you know, designer in Double Fine, which yeah. is the Psychonauts company. So that 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 explains why that humor is there, yeah. and it is. I, that, guy, is. that guy has got it down because it was definitely one of those. Like, I thought about that game. I thought that's like this. I, I played through Psychonauts too at the beginning of the year. I knew it was just that that 
style of humor. Uh, if you're a fan of that, uh, this it's 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 incredible. Um, it's how a very many well lines written. I was drawing between the two. Yeah, well, it's a very well written script in this case, and and mm-hmm. in Psychonauts. I mean, this game does not have speech. The original version of this game has text mm-hmm. that comes up on the screen when people talk, but there is no like. There is no person saying the words out loud. The remakes, as Jeremy mentioned, does add some of that in, but otherwise mm. it's the exact same script, the exact same characters. Um, so even if you only only have played the the remakes, and we'll discuss all these sequels and remakes later, uh, you're still getting the original version of this game, uh, which, you know, in in classic graphic adventure fashion, it kind of just kicks you at the beginning of your adventure with not a whole lot of information. You're Guybrush Threepwood, a terribly named uh, pirate wannabe. You've gone to the island of Melee to make your name for yourself. It's a pirate island, so you're going to go there and join a pirate crew and become a pirate, and that's your goal. But as soon as you get there, you find out that all the pirates are afraid to go out and do piratey things uh, because there's a ghost pirate that's kind of been haunting the bay and will not will attack any ship and sink any ship on sight. So all these pirates have now decided they're just going to hang out at this bar. So the game starts with you going on the island, finding these pirates, and they give you three quests that will let you become a pirate. You have you have three things you have to do. The master of the sword, uh, steal this idol that's hidden in the, the mayor's mansion, and, and find the hidden treasure of Melee Island. They don't give you a ton of information. They just tell you that's what you're supposed to do. And from that point, you can explore the island. Uh, in in the, the town you start in, which is where the bar is in, there is uh, several different like screens you can go through that give you different shops. So along with just having... Uh, the bar at the beginning, there is a fortune teller, kind of like a a, a voodoo priestess lady. There is a shop uh, with a shopkeeper that tells you a few items you may need, but also seems to have some connection to your quest to master the sword. Uh, there's a church, there's a jail, there's the mayor's house. And then once you leave that town, you can see now that it zooms out a little bit, you can see this whole island you can explore. It doesn't have a ton of things you can go to at first, but there's a traveling circus that's on this island. And there's a bridge with a troll on it that tells you you need to pay the toll to get through. And there's uh, like a, a, an island that's off to the top right of the map that has uh, no accessible way to get to it at first. Just this weird, weird rope that connects the islands uh, by two posts. And you have to figure out from that point, like with no items in your inventory, how do I figure out what to do and and get, you know, my my quest, my three quests started so I can become a pirate. And from that point on, it's just you talking to everybody in town. Every time you talk to somebody, uh, much like um, if you haven't played something like this, something like Mass Effect, when you talk to people and it gives you like three things you can say, this is very similar, except it gives you sometimes, you know, many, many more things than three and four, five, six, seven things you can say. And all of them, uh, for the most part, are either clearly the right answer or or things that aren't the right answer that will all give you a very well-written, funny retort. I mean, it's more fun in this game to go through and find uh, the things that are clearly not the right answer to see what the responses would be. Yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, there, there's a lot of conversation in this game. <laughs> there's there's a lot of puzzle solving and a lot of conversation. And, you know, obviously this is this is just one of those games. But the uh, like you said, the writing is is so well done that I, I didn't mind going through all of the options and everything like that. It it's it's just fun. You know, it's it's just one of those games that you never know what somebody's going to say you know, what the response to something you're going to say is it's, there's so many just memorable moments all the way through this game. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the puzzles themselves, even, even though I'm not the biggest fan of these kinds of puzzle games, it didn't bother me that much in this game. Like for the most Mm. part, everything you can actually use in a puzzle kind of makes sense. You know, sometimes Mm. it, (laughs) Until you use it, you're just like, oh, okay, now I get it. But at least in the use that that 
it has in the game, you know, it, it makes sense. But for the most part, it all kind of makes sense. And it's really just about wandering around, talking to everyone, and collecting as much as you can and just trying to piece it together. Because there's really two halves to this game. There's there's the village half and then the the island half later on. And it's those are almost kind of like two games in itself because everything you find in this in this uh, town part is about solving the the town puzzle and getting to the island and you know that then you you've got your island part to to solve as well so there's a lot to to pick up and and sort through but it's it's fun kind of going back and just trying to figure out where all this stuff goes because it's not really that big of a game. You know, it's a fairly short game once you know what to do. I mean, it's still probably two to three hours on a fast run because there is a lot of talking you have to do and you can't speed through a lot of the talking. Um, you know, you mentioned that you don't, you're not a fan of these kind of puzzles and that most of this stuff does make sense. I would also agree these puzzles are, you know, between the very obvious clues sometimes when things are, are like, hey, I need a sword, and then there's a guy selling a sword, right? Like, that's a very simple puzzle to solve, but there's other puzzles. And I will say, if you like this sort of game and you don't want us to talk about it, we're not going to ruin the entire game. But as Jerry mentioned, this game is kind of in segments. Uh, I don't have any problem kind of heavily discussing the puzzles in the town section, the first part of the game, the three trials, uh, and getting to to leave Melee Island. I, I don't mind explaining a lot of those puzzles, but most of the the second half when you're actually on the island and then later on when you return back to Melee Island for the, the latter part of the game, other than talking about story pieces, because I don't think this is a game that necessarily the story is is as important as the experience of the puzzles and, and just general the flavor of the game. Um, I, I do think that the, the fun in this is figuring out the puzzles. So us just explaining a bunch of puzzles would, would not be fun for anybody. Yeah, um, yeah. So so we'll, we'll try to keep with that. But I think to, to explain how this game fits together, you know, kind of talking about the puzzles in town is is safe and, and makes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I'd just mm-hmm. like to ask what, what Billy paid to actually get himself in this game as, uh, oh, what's his name? Come on. Fester Shine Top. Uh, I guess I get you know I, I I will take what was obviously an insult, and I will turn it into to saying that fucking like it's equally impressive and hilarious. Some of these screens on this game when it comes to the characters, and not you know not not just when you're just walking by them and they're kind of you know on, on the screen in the background, but when it really zooms in, yes, yes, it it is just, it is absolutely. I can't tell. It is such a weird style of just realistic, but comical, and everybody looks like absolute shit. Um, it's it's it, it is something else, and it still it holds up so well. <laughs> still to this day, uh, anytime a face popped up on there, uh, it was it was most likely hilarious. Well, yeah, they, they, they would even have changing expressions. So as you ask certain questions, their faces will change. Sometimes it looks like they're laughing. Sometimes it looks like they're angry. It's done really well. Those close-up scenes of the faces are highlights in the game. Uh, but even even the regular screen you walk around, sure, it looks a little bit dated. But for graphic adventures of the time, this still holds up really well. You can tell what things are, not only uh, from being able to put your cursor over it and having it highlight, but 
you know, clearly you're looking for a sword. You can see it's a sword in the store. You can see there's a shovel mm-hmm. in the store. It's all stuff that's very clearly marked. It's not, uh, oh, there's a line over in the corner, and if you put your mouse over it, it'll say shovel. Like, it's all very clear uh, on the Sega CD version and, and most of the computer versions what things are. Um, I, I'm sure some of the the early PC version may not be as, as stellar as the others, but generally it, it looks really good, and the version we're talking about specifically uh, looks excellent. Um, the, the other thing I want to mention about the puzzles are, unlike a lot of other graphic adventures, including some of the ones that LucasArts put out, but especially the, the early Sierra games and those Infocom games, um, this is not a game that tries to screw you. So there is no mm. there is no real point of no return. Um, like, there's a lot of games where you'll get to the very end, it's like, oh, you forgot to pick up the pen off your desk in the first room of the game. Sorry, you can't win the game with the best ending. That does This game doesn't do that. Thankfully, you can, you know, there's almost no way to die. There's technically one way to die, uh, and that is intentionally letting yourself drown. There, there, there's no other way to die in this game game and there's no way you can move on past uh you know you can't leave the town to go to the island and miss an item that you need to complete the island section like it makes sure you have the items you need so when you get to the island you won't be completely screwed because you forgot to pick up something early on like the game is very forgiving that way so aside from from also having puzzles that that for the most part make sense um but but also it it does not penalize you for you know overlooking something that you should have picked up or that's hidden very well or you know there's nothing that's going to stop you from seeing the end of this game other than you know can you figure out these puzzles and and to make them easier not only does the game really kind of in some cases spell them out but in other cases if you talk to people they'll give you some clues uh as what it may be but if you then start using you know the the look at item uh look at inventory so if you use look at command i mean to then look at items in your inventory a lot of the times you know guybrush will tell you something that might be a further clue for example um there's like i mentioned there's that troll outside of town so when you leave the town you can go to the circus you can go to find the um, there, there's an a little house on the top right of the island, but there's also clearly a very well-lit area on the bottom half of the island, and you can't get there without crossing this bridge. You get to the bridge, there's a troll, and he, at first he's like, oh, you have to pay the toll, and, and I think you can technically pay him some money, but you also, he's like, I, I would rather just get an item. I want something that I need better, and... Um, eventually if you talk to him long enough he'll tell you like what i want really is like something that seems flashy but has no real value and is is completely worthless and when you're walking through the town earlier when you get to the bar you can go back in the kitchen of the bar and you'll see there's a fish on the outside of the bar you pick up that fish and at first you're like great i have an item because i can take it in any adventure game you take all the items you can but then you look at the fish it's a clearly a red fish and then you're you know you look at it and guy like oh it's a herring you're like oh so i have a red herring and that's the clue that tells you to give it to the troll because a red herring is something that ultimately is like this this waste of time that wasn't really necessary, but you know he likes it because it's flashy and it has no real value. Mm. So it's it's little things like that that when you look at the clues the game gives you, plus you know actually look at the items and think about it, uh, it, it all the the missions in the game, I think all the, the puzzles are not impossible. Like I mentioned, they, they, I I love these kind of games, but there are some of them where you'll get a clue and you're. You'll never mm-hmm. figure out what that how it actually connects. Like the actual logic makes no sense, especially those old Infocom games. Um, this game, I think, all the puzzles. You know, maybe you'll get stuck for a little bit, but then once you get the answer, you're like, "That was obvious, and I should have thought of it." Yeah, I, I was was kind of thinking going into it. I was trying to really um, keep track of any puzzles that I thought were just you know absolute bullshit. Or, or anything was just completely illogical, and you would never have figured out um, unless you, you know, you you looked it up or you just basically tried every single thing there was. 
Um, but it, it's, it, it, it does a great job of being pretty competent. And when you get a solution, um, yeah, it, it, it clicks. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it, it may not be the first thing you think about, but there's never a point that I, I concluded a puzzle, even if it took me a minute. And I was like, ah, how am I supposed to get that? You know, how how am I supposed to fuck it? And even Maniac Mansion did that to a small extent with a few things. Uh, but, it, you know, it had a good job being logical also. But this one definitely. Um, I, I didn't pick up items throughout the game. And when it came time that they, they were part of the puzzle, I was like, what, what the fuck is this? You know, what are they thinking? I never would have figured this out. Uh, the, the puzzles here are, are decent. Um, they aren't too easy. But at the same time, they, they don't approach that frustrating level. Um, and even if they did, this, this world is so enjoyable to spend time in. Um, that, that God, you, you almost let a little bit slide. <laughs> like even if you are spending an extra few minutes on a puzzle, you're, you're still enjoying playing through this game. But yeah, I, I mean, hats off on the the puzzles in this. Um, I, I it's it's hard to find a game after this that that did such a good job of not having super easy puzzles, but also not being just completely ridiculous. I think the limited number of areas that you can actually explore at at any given time like helps. Like it's it's not like a lot of the puzzle games that came after this. You know, even some of LucasArts own where it's there's just it can be overwhelming like there's just so many areas that you can explore and go to and you you end up just doing that thing where you're just clicking around the screen you know trying everything on anything you can see just just to see if you're on the right track but like with this one like in the town like it's it's not that big at all so you know it it, it was kind of fun just going back and forth and seeing if anything changed or or, you know, you get something like, oh, okay, I, I definitely remember that being a thing over there. And it's it, it even goes with, with how the game looks. I think Jeremy mentioned it, but it, it's a very simple kind of cartoon-looking game. Everything stands out. And the artist did a great job of making everything that you need to pay attention to something that draws your eye in the game. It's not just some little pixel in the background that, you know, you'd never know to click on unless you, you know, looked it up or something like that. Everything is, is, is drawing your eye to, to where it needs to be. And that's like one of the best things that, that I can actually say about this game. Well, it's definitely not a pixel hunt, which is good. There are definitely graphic adventures that do that. Even later ones that look too realistic, then you're not quite sure what <laughs> what's uh, just pretty yeah. background and what's important. This does a good job of highlighting what is important, but the backgrounds also still look very good. And again, having mm -hmm. the ability to win, if it is something you can in any way interact with, you put your cursor over it and it changes at the bottom of the screen. It shows what that, you know, it says what the thing you're pointing at is. Therefore, it's clearly at least... If not an item you can pick up, at least it means if you look at it, it will tell you something. It's a clue of some sort, or it's just a background piece that's that's interesting and worth looking into. Um, so I kind of like to go through the first few quests, because I'll kind of explain how the game works, uh, without giving away too much of the game. So if you do like this, you know, you'll have plenty of other puzzles to still figure out. So, as I mentioned, you now have these three quests. Mastering the sword, stealing the idol mm -hmm. from the mansion, and the treasure hunt. So, the treasure hunt, I think, is the easiest of the missions to to kind of figure out so as soon as you walk into town there's a man who's selling on the side of the street 
the map, a map of treasure that you can buy for Melee Island. And so the first goal you have is, okay, well, how will I, how will I buy a map? It's 100 pieces of eight, and I have no money, or I have two pieces of eight. What am I supposed to do to, uh, to, to get 100? And so as you wander around the, the island you, on the circus, there are, you know, the, the wonderful, uh, know, the fabulous... The fabulous Fettuccini brothers are there, and they're mm-hmm. trying to argue who's going to test out their, you know, that shoot the cannon ac- across, you know, you get into a cannon, you get shot across the side of this, this circus and land safely in this big bale of hay, and they convince you to try it out, and they'll do it, you know, they'll give you some money, they'll give you like 300 pieces of eight if you decide you'll jump into their cannon and test it out for them once you find a helmet. So now your quest is, how will I find a helmet? As you're walking around town, you have to figure out, if, you know, where could I buy or find a helmet, and conveniently, at the bar you start the game in, if you can sneak into the kitchen, there's a big metal pot under the stove that's, that you can grab and take. You show it to the, the Fettuccini brothers, and they're like, great, that'll be a wonderful helmet, and then they show you an, an incredibly funny scene at, when I was a child. Still funny now, but when I was a kid, I thought it was the funniest thing ever, where you would just watch uh, watch Guybrush 3 would get launched out of a cannon very poorly and hit a post, right? It, amazingly yes. funny. Uh, still a, a pretty good deal, but it gets you your 300 gold coins you need, or, or pieces of eight. Go back, buy the map, and you realize pretty quickly after you buy the map, wait a second, uh, this map uh, it is not a map at all. It looks like it's a bunch of dance steps. It says like right, left, cha cha cha, up, down, cha cha cha, etc. You walk out onto the map again, and you'll see that on where all the roads connect together. When you put your mouse over that, it'll say fork, like a fork in the road. You go there, and it takes Guybrush into this series of of uh, uh, basically a forest maze. There's a bunch of exits in each screen. If you don't know what you're doing, eventually you get kicked back out to the road. It'll be nearly impossible to go through and find what you're supposed to find, which is the treasure spot, uh, by, uh, until you look at your dance steps. And so it says, you know, up, cha-cha-cha, right, cha-cha-cha, left, cha-cha-cha. So you go up on the first screen, right on the third, and the second, you know, left on the third. And you do this for nine screens in a row where you have to follow these dance step uh, instructions to go to the right exit to eventually get to where uh, there's a giant X on the ground. There's a bunch of signs where it looks it's a tourist attraction, like welcome to the, the the secret treasure of Melee Island. And as long as you bought that shovel from the shop in town, you can immediately dig it up and you'll get the reward, uh, the the secret treasure uh, of, of Melee Island, which is a shirt that says, I found the treasure of Melee Island and all I got was the shirt or something like that. And, that's the first of three quests, right? You do that, you've got the first treasure, you take it back to the pirates at the bar, and they're like, great, you finished the first quest, tell us when you finished the other two. You know, that was the kind of stuff as a kid, where you, you have these mini goals. Each, each you know, map has a series of things you're supposed to do. It's not just like, oh, I have one quest to do. You always have a, a series of things you need to do to finish the next goal. And it felt good to have each of those little sections done. Like, every time I figured out one major piece of this you know, this undertaking, I felt really good. And this time playing this, admittedly, I've played this many times, but still that treasure island, uh, the, the treasure hunting part, I finished pretty quickly. I was like, oh, I'm going to fly through this. Uh, I, I did not have as much luck because uh, I had forgotten all the little steps with the mastering the sword quest. So I mentioned there's no mm. fighting in this game. The fighting in this game instead is a series of insult trade-offs that you make oh. with the enemies in the game while you are watching them sword fight. And if you can yes. you know, succeed by making the right insult or responding properly to the insult they gave you, uh, you'll eventually you know, knock the sword out of their hand and win the battle. I loved, and this when I think of this game, I think of the sword fighting sections. Like That is what I remember the most about Monkey Island every time I start the game. This is what I was eagerly anticipating getting back into when I picked this game up. Insult sword fighting. Uh, yeah, that's that's what stuck with me the most. Uh, that and a very memorable boat salesman who we I, I will have to talk about later on. Um, but yeah, uh, th- this stuck with me. It is 
not a matter of coordination. It's not a matter of timing. It's a matter of picking the proper insult or the proper rebuttal and, and, and getting the upper hand. Uh, and, and the one that, that, that has always stuck out with me is that the, you fight like a cow. And <laughs> God help me. That has been stuck in my head ever since the first time I played this game. And it, it's, it's, it's so unique, but it's so fitting for this world and this game and just the, the, the humor in it and, and what it's trying to get across. No, you're not going to have big complex button pressing, you know, to timing based sword fights. You're, you're going to have this. You're going to have a, a fight uh, in, in the most ridiculous way possible. And it excels at it. Uh, this, this is still, this was and still is hands down. Um, my my favorite little portions of the game. I, I love when a damn sword fight comes up because I I know we're about to go in deep on 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 each other in these things. And yeah, it, it, it's such a weird way of doing it. Like I, even back then, at the time as a kid, it's like you'd think you would be disappointed that you're not actually getting the control, uh, like a, a full fledged sword fight. But no, this this was great. This was even better. This was even better. And the humor of the game, which is already just all over the place, I think this is where it really just comes out the shine. Well, and the way you have to learn those insults, it's not like you start and it gives you all the right answers mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. you could have played this before and know exactly how to respond. You go through a training section where you learn how to yes. sword fight by insults and you learn two insults. Uh, you learn um, the one that, that you mentioned, which is... Uh, you fight like a dairy farmer and the, mm -hmm. the response appro is the, the appropriate response is, well, that's appropriate because you fight like a cow or something like mm -hmm. that. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get a second insult, but then as you're going and running into these other pirates to ran, you know, on the overworld map, you'll see like pirates walking between areas, you run into them and they'll, you know, you'll challenge them to a duel. And at first they may say one of the two lines that you've learned, but if not, they will say other lines that you've never seen before. Um, and, and there's only, I think a total of 10 insults, but they'll throw a new insult at you that you've never seen. And it, since you don't have the right response, the game has the responses you've learned for the other insults, but also a series of clearly, you know, like loser responses to when you get insulted where it's like, oh yeah, well you're ugly <laughs> and, and you can spit those things back at them. And then of course you're watch your character, like lose the sword fight over and over again as he doesn't know the insults, but then at, then you then will use those insults on a pirate that you're fighting even though you don't know what the proper response is. And sometimes they will respond with the right response. And now you have a series of three insults, you know, that you can give the right response mm. to and four and five and up till you get all 10. Once you've learned all the insults and all the um, proper responses for the insults and you beat a pirate, he'll say, Oh man, you're good enough to, to take on the master, the sword master of melee Island. And then you go back into town. The shopkeeper has some tie in with the sword master of melee Island. And I thought I, I had forgotten this part of the puzzle today. In, in fact, when I was playing this earlier, I, I got, uh, you know, he, he, the shopkeeper will say, I'll, I'll go see if Carla, the master sword master wants to fight you. And he'll run out of the store. And then he says like, don't steal anything. And he slams the door and runs out. And, and so I, there's a safe in the store. And so I was trying to like unlock the safe and I was trying to figure out what this puzzle was. I could not remember how I run into the sword master of Melee Island. And then after, you know, basically trying to steal a bunch of stuff from the store and, and leaving and coming back. And then the shop master's back and is like, why did you leave? I was going to get the answer. And she said, she's not going to talk to you anyway. Um, I realized, oh, that's right. In, 
you know, this is something you couldn't have done very well in like a text adventure that they did really well in this graphic adventure. You follow him. You literally walk out of the store. And then when you go to the back to the main screen in town, you see him run off to the right side of the screen. See so run off to the right side of the screen. You see him run around the right side of that screen and down, down by the bar and all the way back out to the map where you see him walk back to the forest that has the maze and take you through a, a couple other sections of that maze forest. And you'll end up at the shack where you fight the sword master. Like there's, I love the the way this game is. It's not just use an item in a certain spot, and it's not just talk to people and learn the right things. It's a mix of all those plus, you know, puzzles where you have to follow people around or puzzles where you have to actually uh, go out and just interact with random folks in town to learn their sword fights. Like, I, the amount of, of different ways to make a puzzle-solving game that are in this game and mm. still work really well together is... it. It's nearly the best example of it. Like, I, I love Maniac Mansion, but because of... Maniac Mansion lets you pick your party, essentially. So in order to finish the game, there had to be many, many different ways to get to an ending. Yeah. So there's a lot of puzzles in that game that you may never see if you don't pick a certain character. And there are some of those those characters where, while, yes, there certainly is an ending you can get, and and there's a path to get there, some of those puzzles are... are borderline nonsense because they have to figure out how to make uh, a surfer that can work on a phone and uh, a girl in a band, you know, solve this mystery where with other characters, it was much more clear cut. You have an engineer character and you have like, (laughs) you know, a boxing character or something that would make it easier. This game, you only have Guybrush. You're always Guybrush. And so you don't have to worry about having that flexibility to, to solve with any different party. Instead that, you know, everything is, is able to be written out and scripted to such a way that yes, the puzzles are there and you have to figure them out. And some of them can be a little tricky, but you don't have to have things that are completely from out of left field to move the game forward. After you take on Carla and win like this master sword of insults thing, uh, then she'll also give you a shirt that says I defeated the sword master and all I got was a silly shirt. And then you have to get the island, the idol from the uh, the mayor's house. And from that point, again, I don't want to ruin the puzzles in this game, um, but you will get a ship, get a crew, end up, you know, heading out uh, to, to Monkey Island because the mayor who you, you meet when you try to, to steal the idol from her house, uh, Marlene, oh, Elaine Marley, not Marlene. Elaine Marley is the mayor, and of course, she's kind of your love interest. She's also the love interest of this ghost pirate, uh, LeChuck, who's been, you know, kind of terrorizing the seas. He captures her, takes her off to Monkey Island, so you go to follow, and then that leads to a whole other set of puzzles on the island that it kind of... it. It, Jeremy had said it's kind of like a separate part of the game, and it is, but it's not a different kind of game. It's the same kind of game, but it's almost like mm-hmm. uh, Chapter 2. I mean, it is Chapter 2, literally. Um, but it, it will tell you in a whole other series of puzzles, a lot of the stuff you did the first round is maybe referenced, but it doesn't matter anymore. You're now in a whole separate puzzle, um, set of puzzles that have different items. And you know, while there's a little bit of carryover, it, it's not something where you're going to have to really go back and rely on, you know, even the sword fighting part, you know, it took all the time to learn how to sword fight with an insult, but that was just to pass that first mission. And yes, it does kind of show up again in parts of the game, but it's not required to get through the second, the, the second chapter on the island. Uh, and then story-wise, they, you will, uh, you will find something on the island to help you stop LeChuck, and then he takes uh, the governor back to, uh, to, to Melee Island to marry her in a church. And then that, that's kind of where the game will, will wrap itself up uh, story-wise. But again, with all the puzzles in it, we're not really giving anything away. It is a story about Guybrush Threepwood, an unlikely pirate, uh, learning <laughs> learning how to be a pirate and stopping a ghost pirate uh, by solving a bunch of incredible puzzles. If you like these sort of games, I, I mean, this is... Uh, I, like I mentioned, I played this a bunch. I had finished it when I was younger. I've definitely finished it many times since. And on the, uh, uh, on the, the remakes... 
just a wonderful game. I assume that we all finished. And I think Jeremy said he finished the remakes, and I think you've, you've talked about it. you played this many times. So, yeah. I mean, start to finish, I don't think this game has a lull in it. I think the puzzles stay pretty strong the whole way through. There's not a point where you're like, all right, I've seen enough, and I don't want to do this. I think it's a good time limit, but it's also not, you know, 10 minutes, figure the puzzle out, and blow through mm-hmm. it. Uh, I, um, I, I played the Sega CD's version so much, I can't remember... Did the PC version have so many long stretches without music? <laughs> because there are some downright silent stretches in um, in this Sega CD version, which, yes. which is it's odd considering you know Sega CD is this is not the most demanding game. This this little system is it's handled, and you know with it you know kind of boasting some pretty damn good sound in some games. I I. I it's weird. Like it's quiet long enough to where you realize, shit, this thing's quiet as hell. I cannot recall for the life of me if the PC version was like that or not. It was. I think the later games in the series and even some of the uh, the, the remakes it have extra music in parts, but it's still okay. there. There's definitely music in it, but it's almost done yeah. to like for certain oh. areas where it makes sense to have music. Yeah. When you're in the bar, there's music. When you are in the the the, the voodoo lady shop, there's music. When you're on Mm-hmm. parts of the island there can be music in other parts it is silent mm-hmm. um and you know it's 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 solid i i did want to mention you wanted to mention stan who the boat sailed stan I, I would be remiss if i did not mention we had a question on an episode a while back talking about our favorite video game merchant and god help me this man did not come to my mind and i almost feel like i need to post a retraction um because stan from Stan's previously owned vessels is absolutely incredible. Um, from the from the wildly fucking flailing arms to the the fast talking to the the, the the fact that if any of you and most people listening to this are old enough that you have been to a car lot to buy a car, um, you know the accuracy <laughs> with which this character is developed. Uh, this is very much that. How am I going to put you in a ride today? Type <laughs> thing, and and interacting with him is just is incredible in this because no matter what you say, whether you want to spend a ton of money or nothing, uh, no matter what you want, he he has an answer. <laughs> he has a vehicle for you, and it, it's one of my favorite parts of the game. The the interaction with Stan, and just all the the. the ridiculous ways it can go with with this character that is just talking shit and just slinging his arms around 100 miles an hour uh i I, you know besides the the insult sword fights i think if there's any like really just particular interaction in the game that i love the most it's it's this time with stan um he definitely has earned his spot uh while not as helpful as some video game merchants um, he, he's, he's, he's one of the more memorable. I think that's kind of the thing with this game. Like no matter who you are, you know, you play through it. You're going to have those moments. Like everyone's mm-hmm. kind of got their favorite thing from monkey mm-hmm. Island. You know, it can be the sword fighting, uh, you know, it can be the, the boat salesman, um, you know, the, the stupid little skeleton that LeChuck talks to, like, yes. you know, there, there's so many things in little things here and there that just add up to make this such a, a memorable experience, like just all the way through. It's not just doing puzzles and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I can even 
say my my beloved Grim Fandango had mm-hmm. you know, things that I could easily complain about and down moments and parts where you just kind of had no idea what the hell why you're doing anything. But this game is so well paced from beginning to end, and I think dividing it up into the, those separate sections like it does um, goes a long way. And and just you know everything feels like it has a place and it's not just a bunch of yeah. stuff sorted all over and, and just you needing to, to go find this person. So this will work and flipping this switch and going back and collecting this thing. It's, it mixes it up so well with things like, you know, insult sword fighting or following that guy, a lot of observational puzzles mixed in with logic puzzles. And that was something that I think puzzle games after this kind of got away from. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the games that did kind of follow this up, the other Lucasfilm, Lucas Arts games uh, that use Scum Engine did this. You mentioned Grim Fandango and and uh, you know Sam and Max and things like that. But the actual Monkey Island sequels. So uh, Secret Monkey Island came out in 1990. Uh, Monkey Island 2: LeChuck's Revenge came out in 1991. I wanted this game so badly, but I could never find a copy on the Amiga because there was no one that sold Amiga stuff locally uh, when you know back in 1991. So I, I didn't get to play the sequel until the remake came out years later, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, Curse of Monkey Island is actually a different whole team. It's still Lucas uh, LucasArts, but it wasn't uh, Tim Schafer, and it wasn't Ron Gilbert or anybody else. It was just other folks at LucasArts. It's not bad. Curse of Monkey Island looks nice. Uh, graphically, it looks very nice, but it's just not quite as focused as, as the first two games. Uh, Escape from Monkey Island came out in the year 2000. It is a isometric 3D-looking game. It is not great. Uh, I admittedly have not played this, um, but everyone online and the general consensus is it's the worst of the series. Um, kind of the, the, the black sheep of the family is Tales of Monkey Island, which came out in 2009. It's a Telltale game. So it, it looks like, uh, you know, when the Walking Dead Telltale games came out or what was it, the Big Bad Wolf or Red Riding Hood or whatever that was. They're very specifically designed graphic adventures that all look very similar. There's a Back to the Future one. Telltale was big for a while, and I think they're, they've folded. But there is a Monkey Island game in there that was done in five parts. Uh, in the same year, though, in 2009, they re-released the original game with the special edition that had redone graphics and actual voices for everybody. Um, that's the one that Jeremy had played. I, I also played it when it came out for the Xbox. What I think makes the remake, this remake, one of the best of all time, Jeremy kind of hinted at it, was not just that... They, they did lay a really nice level of graphics over top of everything, and the extra voices nailed. I mean, the, the voices are great uh, for, for the, the, the choices they made. But also, you can just hit the select button, and it does a complete shift down to the original game. Because screen by screen, interaction by interaction, line by line in the, in the, the dialogue, it's the exact same. Like, they didn't, they didn't take the original game and like, you know it would be great if we added an island, or if we added a whole section, or if we took out a puzzle. Nope, it's the exact same game just with an optional graphical and voice overhaul. It's a wonderful remake, and that came out in 2009. Uh, 2010, they did the exact same thing for Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, which is how I finally got to play Monkey Island 2. Uh, Monkey Island 2, in general, is a much larger map. There's a lot more to do. It's a little more overwhelming, but it also um, does keep the same sort of pacing as this. I think it's a great a great uh, sequel to this game. Uh, not quite as good, but not bad by any means. Um, and then in 2022, and I talked about this some last year on the What We've Been Playing sections, uh, Return to Monkey Island came out. It was a complete homage to the series. It, st- it had uh, Ron Gilbert and and the original crew back online, kind of getting the, the game back to, to its roots. And it's it's 
a love letter to the earlier games. It is not like, oh, here's a new chapter that's going to start another 10 games. It's completely designed to be and feels like here's a bow wrapped around the entire Monkey Island series. Here it is for you. If you played it, there's a ton of callbacks, but it also is, you know, has its own series of puzzles. I think it's a lot easier. I had absolutely no problems getting through uh, Re- Return to Monkey Island. But again, if you like the games, I can't imagine not checking out Return to Monkey Island. I don't know if you guys have played any of the sequels. Um, no, actually, as, as much as I love this one, um, and it's not that I played any of the sequels and didn't like them, I just for some <laughs> some bizarre reason, I, I never messed with them. I played this one, I played the remake, and not really anything in between. I think I've, you know, kind of got, I remember I initially got a bad sort of review for the friend I mentioned that played the first one, owned the first one. Sort of got a bad review from him on the, the first sequel. So I was like, mm, okay. Um, considering I had such a hard time playing through this one, the tension span-wise, no matter how much I loved it, I was like, ah, I guess maybe I'll, I'll come back to it around, around to it sometime. And, you know, that sometime never happened. Um, but it, it, it is, um, I, I think with most people I know that love that first one, it, it's kind of diminishing returns. And I don't think it's a matter of it being a one-trick pony. It's like, this is definitely something that if you follow it up with the same strength and same great writing and everything as this one, I, I think it would be a tremendous series. But I, I can't speak personally having not played them, but, but I, I know a few diehard fans of the original that just, you know, kind of hold it there. And it's nice to get a little more, but it doesn't do much. You know, I played Escape from Monkey Island on the PlayStation 2, and I don't remember a damn thing about it. I just remember that for some reason I owned it and I played through it with my cousin. And, you know, it kind of just came off as a very typical uh, puzzle game, you know, nothing too special. It had, I guess it was kind of humorous. But yeah, it it did not make an impression at all. Nothing like what this one did when I played the remake on the 360. So I, that probably speaks of its quality. So yeah, that's, that's really all I've played. I have been looking at that newer one to see what it's like. Uh, I would, I would strongly recommend if you like this uh, to, to get that remake of Monkey Island two, it is still available right now. I can download it on the, on the Xbox series S. So I'm sure you can still buy it uh, for the original Xbox 360 arcade. Uh, and then yes, return of Monkey Island, the new one, it, it actually treats it like the first two games or the only two games. And after that, there were some other adventures and they're kind of referenced in little, little, you know, pieces here and there. If you're familiar with them, you'd see it's there, but you don't need them. You don't need them at all to finish the game. If you played the first two and then go right to return of Monkey Island, uh, you get a full story. You don't need, you're not missing anything by skipping out on, on the middle three, uh, games in the series. And again, I, I think that is, you know, it kind of wraps everything up, so you could honestly just play this game uh, on the Sega CD if you can find it, but you can also, again, find it on the Xbox 360, Xbox Series S, and I'm sure Steam and everything else. Um, that, that remake, where it gives you the option to play full, you know, original graphics, original sound, that's the way to do it to get the experience. But I do believe the remakes are also uh, good remakes on their own if, if you want to have that extra, you know, the voices are well done enough that it kind of adds to it. So it's not a, it's not a detraction from uh, the original experience. But yeah, we highly recommend it. And thank you, Blue Yoshi, for recommending this one to us. It's been great to go back and revisit it. If you like games like this, anyone, this is one we all recommend.
that's our thoughts on Secret of Monkey Island for the Sega CD or really any platform. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, check it out. Some of the later games and theories, maybe not so much, but as a whole, uh, a wonderful graphic adventure. And thank you again, Blue Yoshi, for recommending it to us. And if you want us to cover your game, the best way to do that is to go to Retrovania.net where there's a link to our Patreon. If you join our Patreon, you get not only us to have to cover a game you want us to cover, but there's three bonus episodes per month that are never going to be on this main feed. So uh, we already talked about uh, how, how I'm probably going to have a Castle Crashers episode. There's plenty more coming. Uh, we talk about fishing games. We talk about movies sometimes. Just lots of stuff that's not on this feed that's only available on that bonus feed. But even more important than the, pa- the link to our Patreon, if you scroll all the way down past that and past our social media links and everything else, there is a question form where you can write any question you have and send it to us and we'll read it on the show like we're going to do right now. That's right, and we're going to get into it pretty quick this time because we got a few questions to go to. So get ready, guys. Let's blast our asses all over these Mm. lovely people writing in, including this fine person, Frank West, who's writing in to say, fantastic. Hello, Retrovaniacs. I've covered wars, you know. But anyway, what retro game do you think do you think would work as a VR game? Also, where is the Shadows of Destiny review, you cowards? Have a lovely day. Your favorite photographer, Frank West. I, I you know, I'll make this quick because I know Frank West is on a strict time limit. Um, you know that almost ruins any fun at all, and prevents me from going to a, to to enjoy his exploits ever again. Uh, but Frank West, I, you know, as far as that goes, um, we saw how successful, or at least I thought so, that, that you know Metroid was when you went to the 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 Prime games. Like I, it kind of. Kind of lent itself to it. Um, there, there's no reason why a game, you know, like Zelda in particular. I, this isn't to say that I want these games to go in that direction. Um, and I, I just, Zelda games, especially uh, with Breath of the Wild, and I can't, I can't speak to this new one, but you know, with with, with things like that, I, I think those worlds would would open themselves up even more, especially as as large as that map was in breath of the wild uh to be kind of a first person thing um that being said i guess it would just you know kind of be of a slightly more animated skyrim at that point uh but i i i think it'd be a lovely thing really um i i i am kind of glad the silent hill series hasn't gone it easily could it did with with PT, which I guess was was going to be something, um, but it, I think that showed just how easily and how well it could have edged into that. Even though I, I don't know, with with, with those games, I, I liked still seeing that character there. Um, I, I think the majority of old games could could get that first person treatment and and run pretty damn good. Um, you know, your Mario games would, would be like a very surreal mirror's edge at that point. Or your Zelda games, like I already said. All that being said, um, you know, just probably Urban Champion. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's clear answer. Um, Urban Champion, FPS edition. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. I, that, that's that's my, my very well thought out. Actually, probably Castlevania, because I think Castlevania would actually lend itself to being pretty fucking cool, um, swinging that goddamn whip around, first person style. 
not to say I'm not serious when I said Urban Champion, but no, I think the Castlevania games would win themselves pretty damn well. I, I think it would be a, a great, uh, you know, because where I said Metroid is pretty obvious, I, I think Castlevania kind of isn't. I, I think it would give a hell of a run at a first-person game. You know, I would I would love to see that 3D throwing a uh, a flower pot at somebody with that Urban Champion cover. That would mm-hmm. be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, I would love to see not just a straight remake of it, but something in like the Metal Gear Solid world in full VR. Mm. That could be really fun. <laughs> um, at least it would be crazy, and I would enjoy that. But yeah, something like that, like a, you know, you have that the whole stealth sections where you could actually be in full stealth, where you know, full full 3D mode, where you're trying to make sure people can't mm-hmm. sneak, or you're trying to sneak around. That could be a lot of fun. So something like Metal Gear. Uh, would be a, a neat 3D VR experience, I think. Well, I'm going to stick to the game that's in this episode. Like, give me a VR monkey island. Like, let me wander around that town and, and just interact with people. Like, that would stuff like that is what would make me want to play VR. You know, just kind of converting, like, these older games into, like, a VR experience. I That, that could be cool, you know, but for me, like, just... I would like to be transported to some of these, you know, something like Monkey Island or Grim Fandango, these kind of fantastical worlds that I could walk around in. And, and you know, the, the whole puzzle aspect of it would be even better since, you know, it's an actual world that you're in, you know, and walking around in. So stuff like that would, would be pretty cool to me. Um, as for Shadows of Destiny, I'm still... I'm I'm hoping that one happens, but I, I just made these uh, these guys play Draken on a bonus episode, and so I, it's probably a long time out until I can actually pick anything else, <laughs> or allowed to pick anything else. So uh, hopefully that happens in the future. I would love to cover that game, uh, but thank you, Mister West. We sure appreciate what you're doing in that mall over there. Next question comes in from the Resident Evil Four merchant. He's back. And he writes in to say, stranger. (laughs) Hey, Jeremy G, thank you for your apology letter. I consider our beef squashed. Also, Mm. thank you for the attached nudes. And I have to say, stranger. Now that's a weapon. Please consider Mm. an OnlyFans. (laughs) I will buy it at a high price. Mm. Uh, I Again, this is stuff that's only for the patrons. So if you want to jump on there, it's you know we we've been talking about that retrovaniacs after dark calendar uh, for a while. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it's, yeah. I, I think that would probably uh, help out help what you need. I, I think yeah. you probably and, pay and, a uh, higher price for that. It, it, it and uh, you know just for a little tease, I've been doing some yoga lately. Um, if you want to find out just how far I can get this leg back, um, yeah, please join the patron. Join it. At the at the at the highest price. Was there a question, or is he just making sure we were aware? I think that was it. All right. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, sorry, no OnlyFans uh, around here, and that's that's probably for the best for everybody. But thank you for writing in again, Resident Evil Four Merchant. It's good to see that you have accepted my apology. Mm-hmm. Next question. Next question comes in from Cliff Bonanza, and he's writing in about gaming podcasts. 
Hey guys, I heard from, heard a letter from Burger Champ on another podcast, and it made me wonder what other video game shows you might listen to. Along with your show and patron apps, I try and keep up with the Video Game History Hour, Get Played, Codex, History of Video Games, Triple Click, and They Create Worlds. These run from deep history to retro gaming and modern releases. Are there any other shows that you would recommend? Also, is Gargle Them Hogballs... What that mouth do? My God. <laughs> oh, what, what a strong conclusion to an otherwise sensible question. Um, now I had to jot those down because I didn't know there were other video game podcasts. So that, that's you know good and well that there's a, your favorite video game <laughs> podcast Stop is it. out there. Stop it. I think it's time to share it. Uh, they're not around anymore. Uh, there, there was one years ago. Uh, Cartridge Freaks. And it was two guys that, by all accounts, were were, were okay and, and actually decently knowledgeable. Uh, but I, I had a lot of fun with it, mostly due to the bad mics and heavy breathing and, and just a lot of things together. Um, you know, I, I, I try not to be too insulting. I did genuinely love it. There were only 10 episodes, and I I, I, I won't tell you how many times I listened to them. Um, I actually don't do a lot of video game podcasts. And that's not, you know, from a superiority standpoint. I just don't. Um, I am really particular about podcasts I listen to. I, I have a few movie ones. And I have, like, a couple of wrestling ones. But I do not have a lot of podcasts that I dedicate time to. I, I think the one that's even remotely... Um, Video game related, and Jeremy P is listed all this that that bonfire side chat, um, which is exclusively kind of a, a Souls related one, and I loved listening to that as I played through the games. You know, even if I'd played through them before, just hearing other people's opinions. Um, otherwise, I don't really have a lot of other video game podcasts I listen to, but I, I actually will jot those down. Uh, Sometimes my job has some, some pretty damn long rides, so maybe it is time to, to branch out. I, I go through phases where I listen to a lot of video game podcasts, and then I, I cut them down, because a lot of them, you know, there are, as Jerry mentioned, a handful. There's only a couple of them. Uh, no, there's, there's so many video gaming podcasts, and a lot of them will, you know, we've been around long enough now that uh, there are many that I've listened to that have stopped posting, or that have, you know, kind of fallen to the wayside, or they've replaced all their hosts, and I don't care for the new hosts as much, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the Bonfire Side Chat. The same guys that do that are also mm -hmm. the guys that do Watch Out for Fireballs and Abject Suffering. Both of those are ones I listen to fairly regularly. Um, you know, I, I've had uh, guessed it on the show, and we've put it on our patron feed. I like all the shows on the One Red Podcast Network, which are not just video games, but they do have a Mega Man theme series and a Sonic theme series and, and Handy Pockets, kind of like anything, anything goes video games, uh, along with some cartoons and stuff. Nostalgia, NES-talgia, uh, is, is guys going through the entire NES library from the, you know, basically by release date. Uh, and they're in 1989, I believe, right now. They're they're flying through it, but it's the, you know that's 700 and something episodes. They're gonna be going at it for a while. Um, I love that podcast. I think they're they're very very well done. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I'd recommend. I mean, there's like the big ones, um, like Retronauts and HD 101. Those are all fine. But um, the the littler guys, the guys like Nostalgia and uh, 
and the, the, the one red podcast feed and stuff like that. I, you know, I'd like to recommend those more. You know, everyone listens to uh, to the big guys. Find, find some other smaller podcasts. Hopefully that's how people find shows like ours. Yeah, I, I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. Like back in the, three, the 360 and PS3 days, I listened to a ton, uh, especially with my job back then. Like I, I just stood around most of the day and really all I could do was was put a earphone in my ear and, and just turn on a podcast or music. And, and so that's what I did all day. So I, I listened to a lot of the older, like, you know, the one-up podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, that would fill my day for the most part. And I've probably listened to way more than, than I can ever remember, uh, especially from back then. But these days I don't, I just don't listen to many, you know, I, it's sad, but it's, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, we've got more than enough here to do on our own podcast to, you know, not to go off and, and listen to a bunch of other stuff. So I, I kind of focus on this one these days and, and I'll even occasionally listen to it. But yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on with uh, with podcasts these days. Thank you for writing in Cliff Bonanza, and I apologize for this next email. Uh, this one comes in from Donkey Dick Dave, and oh, he's writing in. Um, uh, he he doesn't even say why he's writing in, but he's going to tell us. Hey guys, did you ever wonder what it would be like if Donkey Kong had a donkey dong? Let's not stop there. Imagine that you wake up one morning and it's smacking on your face. Why, you may ask? No reason. My name's not Dave. Oh, my God, this is so bad. I, I, the part where he said, let's let's not stop there. <laughs> I, it, we, we perhaps should have stopped even before that. Oh, God. Oh. Um, we Hold will on, all it, take, we, we'll take it. There's more. There's more. We're still going. Oh, um, God. It, but if any video game character was alive and coming to coming to get you, who is the best and worst option? Trying to picture them as a realistic being rather than an animated figure. Coming to get me for what? To, to, to rub their donkey dong on you. Yes. Do they have their junk out too? What are they coming to get me for? I, 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 I'm going to file this one under I need more information. I, I, need, I need more. Coming to get me for what? What are you going to do? What do you want from me? I don't know. I I I, I really don't. I, I have man. I don't know, guys. Yeah, I, we're we're gonna need some more help on that one. We need more. We need more information. What are they coming to get me for? Am I, I gonna like what's gonna happen or not? I don't. I don't know. He kind of says, "Who, who's the best and worst option for someone uh, alive and coming to get you?" Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a lot we of different more, things somebody more. can come to get me for. Are they waking me up for yeah. work? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I hate know. to encourage I hate to encourage a second letter, but we need more. Yeah, um I hate yeah, I'm with Billy. I'm I hate to say this, but right right back, donkey dick, Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> get back to us on this. Just be be a bit more specific and and who's coming to get us and why. Um mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to move on to to this next question now and and kind of hopefully forget that one even happened. Um this I'm going to murder this guy's name. I I'm sorry. I your name has those things around the letters, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, it's J O A O, mm -hmm. Jowl Silva. Um, okay. So 
again, I, I apologize for the, the murdering mm-hmm. of your name that I just did there. Uh, greetings from Portugal. Love oh. your podcast. Hi there, guys. I just wanted to tell you that you have one of the best and funniest video game podcasts that I know. <laughs> Not anymore after that question. I've been listening for some time now, and since I work in Asia and travel a lot between Portugal and East Timor, I always make sure to pack up all the essentials before each trip, including your podcasts, which are great to listen to during the 24-hour flights. Man, that's crazy. Jesus. I'm about the same age as you, I'm 42 now, but my experience with video games here in this corner of Europe was always very different from yours. I was one of the first kids in my small town to get an NES back in 1990-1991 when you were already getting ready for the Super NES over there. So it's always great to hear stories of how things there in the U.S. By the way, the European Japanese Super NES is much better looking than the U.S. one. Mm. One question though. Given our similar ages, do you ever feel embarrassed when, after taking out a portable console on an airplane or a train to play some Castlevania, Zelda, or Mario, you get condescending looks from other adults around you that think you should clearly be spending that time looking at a mobile phone or an Excel spreadsheet? Anyway, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You are great. Jowl Silva. Man, you keep doing what you're doing because somebody's got to take those 24-hour flights. It sure as hell is not going to be me. <laughs> There'll be nothing left to me, mentally. Nothing left. So if we can help you out with that, man, uh, that's something. Uh, but no, but that is a thing. It, it really is. I, I find people our age fall under people that are like-minded. Or people that just kind of lost touch with any semblance of fun at some point because their entire life should be uh, very serious shit. And they're miserable people. Um, have I experienced it? Like, I, I think everybody has. So like, has, you know, you pull your fucking switch out, waste of time, something like that. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done it many a time. Um, but how do I, I, I care less, honestly. Um, I, I think everybody has their way. They spend time and I don't think there's a right or wrong one. I do what I fucking like doing and really don't care if someone else has the, uh, has, you know, holds me in high esteem or, or low esteem. Um, I, I, I just assume that's that's kind of the way to live. Yeah, I've gotten some looks. Um, I, I, I constantly take my kids places. Like right now, they're taking swim lessons. They're not a swim. They're they're like learning how to swim more effectively. And and it's an hour long. So I take them to the, to the pool, and I stand on the you know I'm at the side of the pool with their lifeguards. I'm not there to make sure they don't drown. And so I just play my DS or whatever my 3DS or whatever, and I get looks every time. And I don't care because, you know, I'm not trying to impress everyone at the pool. I don't care. Um, I don't I don't care. I mean, airplanes are even less concerning. Like if I was on a flight, everyone's probably just like, thank God that guy has something to do because you would lose your mind just sitting there. And I can't read for 24 hours. I'd fall, you know, it just hurt my eyes after a while. Um, but I can play a video game for as long as those batteries will last. So, um, yeah, I, I do get it. And I don't care. I think it's a lot more acceptable now than it used to be. Like, I, I just, I, I don't think that there's, especially in the U.S. and Europe, like, there's there's just not that many people that care. You know, there, there's too many other people doing too many other stupid things 
you know, for like TikTok or embarrassing themselves or whatever to care about, you know, a guy playing a switch. Uh, there are limits, I think, to what I would take with me, you know, someplace. Uh, this goddamn Steam Deck, it's, it's the size of a seven pound turkey. So like it's I, I would feel kind of weird and self-conscious just pulling that out somewhere that that wasn't like a hotel or whatever. Um, but, you know, just like a switch or, or something like that. Who, who cares anymore? You're like, it's just do your thing. And if somebody gives you a weird look, then, you know, they're probably having a way less fun time than you are anyway. Uh, but yeah, thanks for writing in, Jow. Uh, please write back in and <laughs> tell me how to actually say your name because I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure about that one at all. Anyway, we're going to keep it rolling here with Super Robio, and he's writing in about retro game soundtracks. Hey dudes, third time writing in, and I have to say this is by far my favorite podcast. So what are your favorite retro game soundtracks? Mine would have to be the original Castlevania or Mega Man 2. Thanks for all the great content, Rob. Favorite soundtrack's easy. I think I think I've gloated on it before. I think Jeremy Gregory has. Um, <laughs> it's that goddamn Zombies Hate My Neighbors soundtrack. Um, I. It's not a lot of track. And are there better ones? Yes. But goddamn, this one has not had hold of me for years. I, I used to sit around on, on Winamp listening to the damn wave files of this soundtrack. And it, there's just something about it. And it puts you puts me in just like a, a great mood. Just think about playing through that game, the times I've had with it. And yeah, there's there's something about that one. Otherwise, um and and fuck this this considering how much I talk about this system, two of my other favorite soundtracks are on the Genesis. And it's that that Robocop versus Terminator. And um no surprise on this one, really, though. Streets of Rage 2 are just tremendous soundtracks. They they took that Genesis hardware and pushed it uh, to, to the brink. And, yeah, I, I, those are just three, like, right off the top of my head, as soon as it was said, that, that really stand out. Mine are going to be NES games. I mean, I know that maybe that's a, a product of the time, but still... Uh, a soundtrack that I never get tired of. Doesn't matter how many times I play the game, how many times I just listen to the music. Castlevania 2 is the best soundtrack of all time. I love it. The Mega Mans are good. All the, the Mega Mans have really solid music. Mega Man 2, is, as was mentioned by uh, whoever wrote this one in, is a, is a wonderful soundtrack. But man, that Castlevania 2 soundtrack, start to finish, there's not a bad track in the, the entire game. Like the whole time through, no matter how bad sections of it might be or how frustrating parts of the game can be, uh, if you don't know what you're doing, I, I never got tired of it because that soundtrack was in the background. Absolutely love it. My all-time favorite is Symphony of the Night. I, that is the only video game that I actually own a, a soundtrack CD to. Uh, close second is, you know, Billy mentioned that Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, that is something that I will just eternally hear in my head. It doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm thinking of. Zombies Ate My Neighbors music is usually playing in the back of my head for some reason. Um, you know, there's Secret of Mana. And I would give an honorable mention to, if we're going by stuff that just kind of appears in my head and I think about occasionally, probably Top Gear for the Super NES. Like, I, that's just something that's... I will occasionally play that game just to hear the music. 
and it's 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 just forever there for me. So that yeah, I think Symphony of the Night is is just the all time favorite for me. That that soundtrack absolutely blew me away when I first heard it back in the day. And there's so many amazing tracks on it that it it, it just kept surprising, especially when you got into the second castle and you know went down into that first area. Oh my god, it was it was stunning to hear that. So just an awesome soundtrack all around. But yeah, thanks for writing us, Super Robio. And we are going to finish it up this week with a letter from Sir Catspit. And mm. he's he's writing in to say, Hello, everyone. I am Sir Catspit from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I know that place. <laughs> you guys have mentioned the Midwest a lot. What is your opinion on Culver's? I personally think they slap. Also, I'm currently not a patron, but Cave Story is a game I would love to hear an episode on. Thanks. I I I have to stand out of this one. I know nothing about Culver's at all. Um, I am I am nestled down way down here in the southeast, uh, far far out of their reach. So I I I don't have an opinion on this, but I, I am always fascinated to hear about things. Yeah, also not familiar with Culver's. They don't have them uh, on, on the mid Atlantic section where I live. Um, however, I am familiar with Cave Story, and I would definitely do an episode on Cave Story at some point. It is it is not a, a retro game naturally. It is one of those kind of new games that looks like an old game, but it's not even that new anymore. I'm pretty sure it's probably older than some of the actual retro games we talk about. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to cover uh, something like Cave Story. Well, I am from Indiana, and I've been to a good deal of Culver's in my mm. time. Um, I love Culver's. I think it's it's the best kind of fast casual place out there. You know, as far as like burgers and uh, kind of fast food related stuff, it's really really good. Uh, very high quality. Uh, always, you're going to get something that that's good there. One of the best fish sandwiches I've had anywhere, uh, and their burgers are are some of my favorite. They they're kind of like steak and shakes. If you've been to Steak and Shake. Um, they're in that vein of kind of almost like a smash burger, but not quite. Um, still really, really good stuff. I love Culver's. Uh, yeah, I'd love to do Cave Story as well. That's uh, I love that game. So maybe in the future we can we can get that one together. We'll put it on the list, the list of eternal games that we have that we might get to at some point in the future. But it does happen. But I think that's going to do it for emails this week, guys. Thanks for writing in. As always, you can go to Retrovania.net and scroll all the way down to the bottom and write in about Culver's or Donkey Ticks or whatever. And just just press the send button. Through the magic of the internet, we will get it. And we'll read it on here, hopefully, next time on the next show. And we've got a bunch more patron requests to go through. We're, I guess, two games into our streak. We've probably got four or five more to go. So uh, we, we have a lot of games you've all requested. Again, if you want us to do that, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. The link is always in the description of the podcast, but also found at retrobanny.net. And we will see you next time.